Hello, this is Jesse Weiler for Honoring This Bulletin. In this episode, I speak with Jan Bent, who recently translated a work from Romano Guardini from German to English. This is something that had never been done for this book, and he wrote about it for Adoramus Bulletin. The title of his article for Adoramus is called Liturgy of the Body. New translation of Romano Guardini book explains why prayer is a holy human affair. This was a wonderful conversation, and I am so excited to be able to share this with you. Jan was born and raised in Germany and graduated high school in St. Louis, Missouri after studying as a foreign exchange student. He studied philosophy, church and religions, and sacred art and architecture in Rome. And he is now in Oxford as a lecturer and tutor in philosophy at the Studium of Black Friars. So without further ado, another Adoramus interview. Hello, Jan. How are you doing today? Hi, Jesse. I'm doing quite well. Thank you very much. So I'm very excited to to talk about this. Can you tell me a little bit about how this whole process began in the first place? Sure thing. Well, it's funny. It's like the history of philosophy, right? Everything is just footnotes to Plato and Aristotle. So um, I'm, while I'm not saying that all of the liturgical um, new, um, books are footnotes on Gordini, quite quite the contrary, and I think he would be the first one to point that out. Um, I was approached <clears throat> to do this translation uh, a while ago, and uh, I was very happy to finish it during um, during the, the the year of 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 Corona in Italy. So I had lots of time and meditation to ponder this text, Gordini. Um, I think has a perennial importance because he is one of the few authors whose ideas don't really become obsolete. They, they're perennial. And what is fascinating about Gordini specifically is that he has always been understood, in my opinion, more progressive or more liberal than what he actually says. So this book was uh, suggested to me uh, as a translation. I, I read it. I knew other books by Guardini already that I've read um, for my own personal formation throughout, well, since my adolescence, really. Um, and uh, so I was I was immediately game because I think um, the stuff is just amazing. So you start the article here with this concept of dualism, right? This body and soul, which is a big part of what the essay is about. Uh, can you talk to me about maybe the context that Romano Guardini was talking about? Because I think that's really important to understand. You, we may know, you know, from a modern standpoint that this is still a problem here and it's even exaggerated. But what was the context in which he was talking about this? I think the context that Guardini um, tackles this whole question of body and soul, which is one of the chapter titles, chapter two, is the general confusion about the liturgy and how a human being is supposed to participate in the liturgy. I, I think, I mean, Guardini died in 1968. Um, but so you can see that even from the 30s onwards, and I would even put the beginning of this much earlier, there's a certain detachment of soul and body in culture. And Guardini tackles this problem of body and soul relationship of the unity of the two in a human being, specifically in his cultural context, but parallel in 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 a context. Well, he tackles a problem that has been previously post and that every generation really has to resolve um, anew, right? So, and 
So I think why he focuses on this, or one of the, it's not the only thing that he focuses on, but why I focused on it, is because today we have the tendency to um, rationalize things too much, especially in the West. So we we come from a very long, back to ancient Greece, from a very long philosophical tradition um, that can that has very concrete terms for very um, specific realities like body and soul and sensations and emotions and so forth. But we don't oftentimes see how a human being is one. And I think that already in the early 20th century, let's say with Picasso, for example, in art, you have this tendency to over-rationalize um, one aspect of human culture, which is the artistic. So um, art, specifically painting, is not just something that is abstract. It's not something that lives off its idea, but is something that is con concretized, is something that is materialized in the specific artwork. Parallel or analogically to that, a human life is not just something that happens in the in the abstract, that happens in 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 the spiritual realm. But we are incarnate beings, so we have a body, we have flesh, and so Gordini, I think, points that out. He says that specifically, the human being um, is not like a plant that has a kind of a preset developmental. Um, um, well, yeah, a preset development that goes from, you know, it's planting its seed to the growth, to its bearing fruit, to its dying, but is something that is much more personal and much more ethical because we are this composite of body and soul. I think many of the modern liturgical errors stem from the fact that man is being spoken to just as a soul or just as a just as reason, but not as an incarnate being. So many of the books actually of Guardini have tackled this. Um, I'm thinking of like holy signs um but but also here now in liturgical formation we have this that he speaks about the materiality of human existence and therefore the materiality of uh, liturgy and he actually doesn't just talk about the human body he also talks about things as extension of the body and um, and how all of these so the bodily movements the bodily gestures as well as liturgical vestments liturgical apparati um, liturgical just anything that is material chalice you know um, thurible incense fire coals all of these things water holy water right all of that participates in and the liturgy and needs to get its information, its liturgical use from the human being who is this body and soul unity, who has the capacity to um, bring soul, to bring meaning, to bring the spirit into these um, material realities, those things. So there's a lot of places we, we can go with this. And of course, we're going to talk primarily about liturgy, but you know, in my head, I'm, I'm hearing you speak, and obviously I totally agree with all of this, but I kind of thought we handled the the incarnation, fully God, fully man debate, you know, uh, hundreds of years before Guardini was even here. And so the fact that this still keeps coming up is surprising. But one of the other themes that you talk about um, in, in his essay is this misconception of what a symbol is, because we talk about that both being, uh, it's like a both and. And this both and is, is sown all throughout. Christianity, both this and this. So can you talk about that, uh, about symbol and how we've misappropriated that and how we need to get back to understanding what that means uh, and, and having that that principle of both and? I would love to, Jesse. Now, let me let me um, take one step further back, if you allow me. 
And this is what's fascinating about Guardini, specifically about liturgical formation. He addresses liturgical problems and problems specifically pertaining to the liturgy, but he also talks about cultural problems. And this is something that may be surprising or striking to a reader, because if it's a book on liturgy, well, why do you talk about, I don't know, learning how to look the right way at something, learning how to walk the right way in a certain, you know, in a certain, uh, well, in a certain way or and I think it's the liturgical problem really originates in a cultural problem. So there is a kind of a pre-liturgical problem, and that's what Gordini addresses most. And that's what I find most fascinating. Now, you talked about symbol. So bringing this back, um, he specifically says that the liturgy is not an allegory. It is not something that is artificially constructed to connect something material with something spiritual. It's not like a, it's not a fairy tale. It's not a it's not a nice story for children to um, to make something complicated um, easier to understand. But it is properly a symbol. So a symbol, um, as at least as Guardini expounds it, is the visible part of an invisible reality. And I think there is the truly liturgical connection. Our culture has lost its sense for symbol because we have lost the sense of the transcendent. Specifically, pertaining to the liturgy, we have lost our sense of what is sacred. We have lost our sense of um, the importance of ritual as well. What does that mean? That means that we don't really like anything that is ritualistic or that we perceive as ritualistic. And I'm happy to be proven wrong um, most recently with the um, with the um, requiem ceremony of the queen, which is something that is highly ritualistic. Right now, the sim if we want to apply the word symbol to us, well, what's the symbol? It is a symbolic reverence not to the body of the queen, but to what she represents and her life as a human being and ultimately her soul that lives on. This is not a service to something that is long dead and ultimately a cadaver, if you let me uh, use that uh, quite irreverent word, but it's something that uh, reminds us of the, the human being and specifically her soul that lives on. So applying this to the liturgy, and I know that I'm a little bit all over the place here, but applying this to the liturgy means simply that. It means that liturgical action from the priest from the participants, from the congregation, from the servers and all, everybody that and the choir and everybody that participates is something that materially expresses what immaterially is present. And that is obviously the worship of God with its different offices, with its different kind of manifestations, because everybody in the in the liturgy obviously has a has a different task. And and the most important one being um, Christ himself, who. Um, through the priest, right, enacts, um, well, transubstantiation. So that's, I think, why Gordini emphasizes this idea of symbol so much, and it's something that we really need to rediscover. It's funny that you say we don't like ritual things, but yet we are ritual beings, and we will wake up at the same time and, and eat and drink the same thing every morning, but then we shun anything that looks like, uh, you know, public uh formal ritual. Um, I, I want to uh, put a pin on the the culture thing, because I want to I want to end with that in our conversation. But the other thing that comes to mind um, is, is that we have 
our individual, you know, bodies and our souls in an individual aspect, but in corporate worship, right? In liturgy, we have Christ the head and Christ the body. And so we have that physical representation of the body, but then we also presumably have a soul liturgically. Can you uh, expand on that a little? Um, so liturgical soul as in, as in uh, what do you specifically? Well, I'm, I'm just creating the, I'm just creating, you know, we have, we have the body of Christ in the liturgy and we have the Christ in the head and Christ, the body, us as the body of Christ. But mm. then we also have, you know, this, this uh, heavenly reality that's happening at the same time. Ah, yes, I see. Of course. Absolutely. So this is, this is something that, that Gordini does, does um, tackle, which is the idea of community, which for him is um, the extension. So the liturgical action happening in the soul extends to its, to the body of the person specifically as a symbol. Then it extends to the things as an extension of that body. And then it extends further to the community. And so this is something where, um, he counterposes kind of this this um, pagan uh, pagan sense of community, which is mostly a conglomeration, and the community that is an organized hierarchical community, which we believe in in the church, of which obviously Christ is head. Now, this community, I think, um, is a good example of of this idea of symbol because we as a church we exist we exist all over the place. We are Catholic. We're universal. So you sit, you know, in the states. I sit in England. Other people sit in Italy. Everybody is separated physically, but is united in a spirit specifically when um, partaking in the liturgy. So when mass is happening, we're not just joining the congregation and the priest. We are joining the whole church and not just the church on earth, not just the visible church with its priests and bishops and the Pope, but also the heavenly church. And I mean, if you want to further extend it, we can even say, well, we talk about, you know, the kind of triumphant church, the, the, the militant church and the suffering church. So we even kind of draw with us all of the souls that are in purgatory that are waiting for that final uh, entering to glory. And, and I think, and this is something that 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 Gordini would would very much um, like to hear us um, talk about more. He constantly draws from this um, really almost infinite wisdom of um, of of the church's liturgical life, um, never forgetting how it really has two sides: the invisible, the worship, the prayerfulness, the meditation aspect, the veneration, the supplication of the soul, the internal movement, which is so essential, but at the same time, also the physical manifestation, because, and I mean, let's be honest, you know, we talked about this earlier. You, uh, we said, well, you know, every generation needs to, rediscover this, um, ultimately, this liturgical life. Every generation needs to reestablish it. And ultimately, how do we keep things going? We keep things going by material manifestation. Imagine if, if you know, your parents just, you know, once every 10 years told you they'd love you, right? No, it's the daily hug. It's the daily kiss. It's the daily, I don't know, or the weekly note or, you know, maybe just even like a WhatsApp message. But it is there is a physical sign um, that 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 illustrates that that spiritual um, that spiritual core of things. So I think that that's really where the community comes in, that we as a community participating in the liturgy become one um, with the whole church that has ever existed with the past church as well. So. Yeah. 
what what I love about you know all of these liturgical you know Christian principles. It's it's low to high and high to low, and it's this constant flow of up and down and up and down. And so we have this big picture of you know the 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 body of the church and the and the and the mystical body of the church, and we have what you're talking about is unity in worship, right? We this this is where we're all bowing and standing at the same time. It's unity in worship, and we're all enjoying ourselves. But you also talk about Guardini's desire to have our individual bodies and our individual souls unified as well. So we have these high level concepts coming down to low level. And then back, once we do that, we offer that at a very high level. So can you talk about unifying the individual body and the soul is, is the desire uh, as God desires us to be unified? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, that's the, right. The principle of the Oracle of Delphi is the know thyself. And I think um, today's, um, today's culture and our society has really lost the sense of teaching wisdom um, to the individual member of, of that society, of that culture. It's mostly wisdom about themselves, right? So today everything is put, it seems like everything is put up for grabs. Everything is put in question. Um, you know, what is, what is a woman, right? What is a man? What, what is, what is marriage? All of that. Um, whereas, the church has an answer to all of that. And that, that answer is very clear. And people think, well, giving the answer is actually boring or is, okay, well, we've heard this already, but yeah, is that true? But have you really understood it? Or is knowing the answer to the question, well, who am I? Is that really boring? It doesn't seem boring at all. It seems to me that that's the most interesting thing that we can actually discover, discovering ourselves. And discovering ourselves, uh, we discover that we are a human being, which means that we are incarnate individuals. So we're not angels, and we cannot just know things, and we don't always remember things. We have flaws, and we have to work with it. We have to find strategies like memorizing vocabularies or something to overcome our material weaknesses. But all of that pertains to getting to know ourselves, getting to know our strengths and our weaknesses. And I think um, when when Gordini um, emphasizes this body and soul unity, he speaks to um, a very an, an age-old problem, which I would predominantly put, if you want a philosophical voice, um, to, to Descartes really separates the two most strongly. And Gordini emphasizes the unity of the two. He says, look, if there is a if there is a movement in your soul, then it needs to materialize in your body. And it will materialize in your body, be it in kneeling in prayer or well, all movements that pertain to to participating in mass. But also sometimes our soul is weak and we need to start with our body. We need to start with, well, the sign of the cross, and then our soul finds its core and finds its center and centers and centers on what we're supposed to do in that moment, which is prayer. So, so there's this, there's this interrelationship that, um, that we get to know about ourselves. And then this, 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 yeah, this interrelationship of, of our body, of our soul, and that we truly are our body and that we truly are our soul, not just that we have a body. And so often today the body is treated as a, as an object 
as something that we can alter and change and, you know, through, I don't know, diets or workout or tattoos or whatever, which you see more and more today. It's, so the, the the body becomes kind of a product, a product of our imagination. But the body is not a product. The body is what we are and who we are in a certain way. And I think in a very healthy equilibrium, um, as uh, Gordini kind of brings that to a, to a, to a very good close and uses that knowledge of um, of what a human being is than to explain and to expound on the liturgical um, life of, a, of an individual. I, I, I thank you for putting such, you know, great words to this, because I think that's the culmination that we, that we all want to hear and we need to hear even as a dedicated, you know, Catholic myself, um, I always kind of lean towards the soul is willing and the body is weak, but that, that doesn't take into account. Sometimes I need to have a restful body so that my soul can properly pray, pray. You know, I need to sit down. I need to make physical time, physical real time for myself so that I can facilitate what the soul needs. And so those are very important things to, to know and understand. And that unity in, in self, I think is incredibly important. I, I mentioned that I wanted to get back to the culture because I think this is really important. And this is kind of where I want to end. And we don't necessarily need to solve all the world's problems in one little uh, uh, podcast about, uh, you know, liturgical essays. But I do think, uh, you know, positing these questions are incredibly important. You know, we talk about how the culture starts to pull the church away you know, and we also know that there are people in the church that are pulling the culture towards, right? Do you have any understanding of uh, the the importance of that direction? You know, what where where are we to aim from a practical standpoint as those who know and understand this? What are the practical steps that we can do to really get people to understand this? Is it more about attacking the culture and, and, and helping the culture to understand this, or is it living the church so that the culture can see and bring that in? Now, I'm not saying that you may have a right answer, but I, these are things that I think about. Very, very good question. Um, truly. Certainly it's a little bit of both. <clears throat> culture is not something that develops out of a vacuum. Culture is something that is based on true human desire and i think behind every however misguided cultural um growth there is um or even misgrowth um there is a true desire there's a true yearning of a human being wanting something um that is true and good and beautiful so i would say the the central thing how to reform the liturgy and uh, this is something that is really different from country to country, naturally. But the central point to changing the liturgy is to understand the liturgy, uh, well, top down and not bottom up. So something that is given, something that is given rather than something that we make. And Gordini has a beautiful quotation in this in this book where he says the liturgy is not designed theoretically, but historically. And that references the church's magisterium. Benedict XVI used that, right? He said, we, we think that the liturgy is something that we make to kind of a ladder up to God. But it's not that. The true liturgy of God is the one that descends down from above 
and draws us up. It's not something that we build up from the bottom and we reach a goal, but it's something that God gives us from the um, from up high and draws us to him. So I think true liturgical uh, reform, so reform, a return to form, a true liturgical reform will always do that. It will always make us understand that the liturgy is something that we have been given, that we that it is truly a gift, and that as gift it is susceptible to um, to not our making, but to divine creation, which God himself instituted um, in the church to do that for us. So the, the liturgy is always something that we um, receive by way, by the mediator of the church. Um, and I think this is ultimately the, 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 um, the most significant part of Christianity is the incarnation of God. The incarnation is not something that we earned. There's nothing that... Um, that there's nothing that that you know that Catholics do to earn the incarnation of God. Neither was there something that the Jews did to earn to be the chosen people. It is God's free will, but also His His goodness and His um, His generosity that made us that that made Him give us that gift. So, like Christ became man, like Christ um, that 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 became incarnate. So it's a liturgy, something that we receive, and then we may act it out, you know, um, and specifically, obviously, the priest, but then all of us in the congregation. So I think to 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 reform culture, we must focus really on that. I, I think you you caught the air in my question that it's really kind of a, a false question in and of itself, which I you know I think we all understand, but knowing that it's not really us, but that we are true conduits. And uh, I, th I think understanding the source, source and summit, we talk about that all the time. And so yeah. reframing that, I think, is in incredibly important for us. So, uh, Jan, thank you so much for this uh, this wonderful conversation, this wonderful uh, translation. Uh, do you have any other translations that are that are coming up, uh, you know, that you're working I on? And no, at at the moment, unfortunately, not. I'm actually focusing more on uh, on my philosophical writings and and maybe a little bit of of political commentary. But uh, maybe there will be other um, translations in the future. So we'll we'll, we'll see what we can can uh, you know can can find and collaborate on. So, sounds good. I'll uh, make sure that Chris keeps uh, pestering you about that. But um, <laughs> I, I, I will place a, a link in the show notes uh, so people can purchase this translation. Uh, but you can also go to Liturgy Training Publications and uh, look for the book Liturgy and Liturgical Formation. Uh, Jan, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. God bless. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse, for having me.